I'm Brett McGarry. This week on The Couch Potatoes, we have a review of the film that has at long last brought my favorite superhero of all time home. It's Spider-Man Homecoming. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. Between the two of us, we watched a few other movies this week, and after not finding perfection in anything for a couple of years, we're each going to bestow the Couch Potatoes' highest honor, the sectional, upon something. Plus... Winter is finally here! That's not something I ever thought I would say in July. Game of Thrones returns this weekend. We'll tell you all about that. First, it's the news. From the couch. Last night at that dinner party, you you really impressed me. <laughs> I did? Well, you just speak your mind, you know? You, you tell people how you're feeling, what you're thinking, the, with the potatoes, for example, you know? I uh, mean, how cold were those potatoes, They by were the freezing. Way. I couldn't say that. You're the only one who can come out with it, you know? And then, and then you know, Jeff and uh, Susie with the kid. What was the kid doing there, right? What, why do you bring your daughter to an adult dinner party? Exactly. You, you say what everybody's thinking. You just come out with it. It's, huh. it's impressive, you know? Well, you know, thank you. The Social Assassin is coming back this fall. After being gone for five long years, Larry David is doing another season of his hilarious, acclaimed HBO comedy, Curb Your Enthusiasm. So I, I don't know if you noticed this last night, but my wife, Eileen, she says, LOL. I don't know if you picked up oh, on that. Oh, uh, yes, I yeah. uh, certainly did pick up on that. I mean, wh- why yeah. would you say LOL instead of just laughing at something, Well, you just know? tell her to stop saying it. I can't tell her that. You could say it to her, you know? You know, you might just put it out there because that's what you do. Larry David has about the sweetest deal in Hollywood. It is simply this. He can do Curb Your Enthusiasm whenever he wants with no pressure from HBO. An open invitation. Pretty much unheard of. And frankly, since it had been five years since the eighth season, we all thought he was pretty much done with it. He had a Broadway show in the year since, a pretty good HBO movie, and of course appeared regularly on Saturday Night Live during the U.S. election campaign as Bernie Sanders. Then last year, he announced he wanted to return for a ninth season of Curb, and there was much rejoicing. And now we know when it will happen. Curb Your Enthusiasm Season 9 debuts Sunday, October 1st on HBO. No word on what the season will be about, which is fine. I mean, aside from that season, that feature the Seinfeld reunion, doesn't really matter what the show is about. The joy is in watching Larry argue with friends, family, co-workers, strangers, basically anyone who crosses his path. He can't even enjoy a friendly round of golf. You know what? I would have picked up the ball in a second if I could bend down. It's your back. It was your back, right? Completely. Sure, no, I understand. I'm sorry. I apologize. No, it's okay. Sorry. Wait wait a second. Are you going to Gil's party? Yeah, that's why I'm... You know Gil? Oh, from the club. You must know Yeah. I'm old friends with Gil. Yeah, we've been buddies for a long time. Uh, So, uh, can I follow you over there? Should you be going to the party with your back? Can you bend over? Can you bend with your back? Yeah. Well, then maybe you should just bend over and kiss my ass. And maybe next time you'll remember to uh, pick up the golf ball. Baby, something horrible just happened. This is my husband. This is my family. You preyed on her just to get into her pants. I know. I'm gay. When I hide that, I hide the best part of me. Showtime is working on a sequel for The L Word. The hit lesbian drama ran for six seasons, ending in 2009. Back in May, Entertainment Weekly assembled the cast for a reunion, and co-creator Irene Chaikin spoke about the possibility of doing a sequel. It feels like there's a chance that the L Word could come back. I mean, there certainly is a chance. Um, We talk about it all the time. And, you know, when we went off the air in 2009, I and I think a lot of people thought, okay, the the baton is passed now, and there will be lots of shows that 
taken up that portray lesbian characters, lesbian life, there's really nothing. Um, it certainly feels like maybe the L word should come back. The now confirmed sequel in development will be much like the first series, following the friendships and love lives of modern gay women. Cast members Mia Kirshner, Catherine Monig, and Aaron Daniels fully agree with Chaikin that the time is now. We need shows that are about community and, and acceptance. Yeah. And most importantly, about women. And the power of friendship. And the power of friendship and, 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 and a, a chosen family. All of these themes that are have gotten more relevant, it's just... I th- not to get too political, but it might actually be just as relevant now as it was when we made the show, if not more, more, more so. 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 Yeah. so. Looks like original cast member Monig will be back on the series, along with Jennifer Beals and Leisha Haley, who will also all serve as executive producers if the show does in fact move ahead. Other original characters might return too, along with a new cast of women. The critics say the L word is hot. Dynamic. Provocative. Get out of my house. The L word. Same sex. Different city. Have I noticed how you come across somebody once in a while that you shouldn't have f***ed with? That's me. Clint Eastwood has cast his lead characters for his next film, and they are all unknowns. They are, in fact, the real-life people the story is based on. The three California men who thwarted a terrorist attack on a French train in 2015, they'll play themselves, Airman First Class Spencer Stone, U.S. Army SPC Alec Scarlatos, and Anthony Sadler, all starring as themselves in the 1517 to Paris. The film will follow the lives of the three friends to the even, from childhood to the evening when they help subdue a suspected terrorist who opened fire inside a train going from Amsterdam to Paris. It's very strange to have cast the actual people as the leads because, I mean, do they even deserve it? Deserves got nothing to do with it. I don't mean to suggest they're not worthy. They are heroes, so I guess they had it coming. Oh, I guess they had it coming. We all have it coming, kid. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> so stupid. Uh, Eastwood's been on a pretty good streak lately with Oscar nominee American Sniper a couple of years ago and last year's Sully, another true story about a hero which was popular and paired him with Tom Hanks for the first time. My aircraft. Your aircraft. I want you to know I did the best I could. Of course you did. You saved everyone. People call you a hero. I don't feel like a hero. Those two films were a nice bounce back from his less-than-stellar run of Hereafter, Jay Edgar, and Jersey Boys before them. At this stage, it's just impressive that he's still making movies at his age. Get off my lawn. Remember that? That was eight and a half years ago, when he was a young man of 79. He is 87 years old, Brett. Good for him. Clint's still going strong. The 1517 to Paris will likely hit theaters sometime next year. Well, I gotta go. Good day, okay. Hello. Trevor Evans, FBI. Hi, what's going on? We believe your husband's partner was murdered. What? Let's all stop playing this game, shall we? Lying, running. Aren't you both tired? We made a choice to move our family to a more peaceful place. That's Jason Bateman and Laura Linney in the new trailer for another intriguing-looking show from Netflix called Ozark. Bateman plays Marty Bird, a financial manager in Chicago, who has a bit more going on in his life. Mom, what are we doing here? Your father's laundering money for a Mexican drug cartel. Marty, where's my $5 million? 
Someone's going to die. Relax. Why do I have this feeling we both know that you'd be better off dead? Marty! We're going to kill your family. And be done with all this madness. Marty's money laundering leads him and his family to move to the Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri to launder even more money for the Mexican cartel. And that's when things get really hairy. Netflix has been busy of late lining up shows with big stars. Gypsy recently debuted, starring Naomi Watts. This weekend sees the debut of Friends from College. Jeff's going to tell you more about that in a few moments. And now they've got Laura Linney and Jason Bateman in a show called Ozark, which debuts next week on July 21st. Money is, at its essence, that measure of a man's choices. What you do today? That is the news from the couch. Up next, we'll tell you what's coming to home video, and Jeff's got a review of The Big Sick. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. We have a mission for you. A major weapons test is imminent. We need to know what it is and how to destroy it. Is that clear? Yes, sir. Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are the Couch Potatoes, having a look at what is coming to home video this upcoming week. And we're starting with Netflix because of the size of the major release that it has coming this week, this Tuesday. What's that, Jeff? Rogue One, a Star Wars story. We, of course, already own it, but it'll also be on Netflix, so making it even easier for us to catch at times, which will probably happen. I do own it on Blu-ray. I've watched it twice on Blu-ray. Same here. After, I think I only saw it once... Or did I see it twice in the You theater? saw it twice in the I saw it twice in the yeah. <laughs> okay. And now I will probably watch it on Netflix, even though I own the hard copy because I'm often too lazy to just get up. <laughs> also on Netflix, uh, you mentioned earlier the new series Friend from, Friends from College. That's out right now. It stars Keegan-Michael Key, Colby Smulders, and Fred Savage, of all people. Still think of him as a little kid. From the Wonder Years. Yeah. He's already, like, has to have... You know, friends from college that he used to have in college. He's <laughs> an old man now, I guess. He was uh, great. And uh, did you ever watch that comedy, The Grinder? Nope. Where he, uh, Rob Lowe, played a, a TV lawyer. Yep. Who was his, and his Fred Savage yeah. was his brother, who was Everyone a lawyer lawyer. A great show, but yeah. it got canceled. Yeah, I know. I think the last thing I saw him act in was that Austin Powers movie he was in. Moly, 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 moly. Oh, that's moly. right. Yeah. Uh, on Blu-ray and DVD, hard copies on Tuesday of Free Fire and Kong Skull Island. If you got a 3D TV, i got to recommend the Kong Skull Island. I don't really like 3D, but I really liked it there. And you saw Free Fire, you didn't care for that at all. I did not like it at all. Oddly enough, both of those films starred Brie Larson. So uh, if you're in a Brie Larson kind of mood, go for Kong Skull Island, not Free Fire, because it sucks. And on Digital HD on Tuesday, two movies that everyone agreed also sucked the circle, starring Tom Hanks and Emma Watson. Is that her name? Yep. Right. Hermione. From, from Henry Potter. Right, Owen. <laughs> I know it well. Henry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> and Unforgettable, starring Catherine Heigl and Rosario Dawson. And I remember seeing the trailer for that and people laughing out loud at it. <laughs> she plays like a psycho lady who goes after her ex-husband's new wife, played by Rosario Dawson. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, there's that. That's on home video. Kong, I think, and, and Rogue One, obviously. The big ones on Tuesday. Um, I saw a movie this oh. week. Oh. It's one I've been looking forward to for many weeks, and it finally came out. And I saw Kumail Nanjiani's The Big Sick. This was fun. Wait, we haven't even had sex again yet. I'm just not that kind of girl. I only have sex once on the first date. <laughs> I'm just going to call an Uber. 
Your driver will be ready as soon as he puts on his pants. If you've never heard of him, Kumail Nanjiani is a stand-up comic and actor. He's a Muslim man, originally from Pakistan, whose family moved to Chicago when he was a kid. The Big Sick is a semi-autobiographical movie about his life, specifically his love life, and how he fell in love with a white woman, much to his family's chagrin. I have to tell you something, babe. I've been dating this girl. She's white. A white girl? Hey, you can't look like you and me, a white girl. It's okay. We hate terrorists. His family is pushing for an arranged marriage, but he's got his heart set on Emily, played by Zoe Kazan. She likes him too, but is having a hard time with the situation. Are you judging Pakistan's next top model? You know how we have arranged marriage in my culture? Oh my god, I'm so stupid. Can you imagine a world in which we end up together? I don't know. All that right there would be an interestingly enough movie, culture clash, forbidden love, a Romeo and Juliet type scenario, all the stuff we've seen before, and always, if done well, will work. But The Big Sick then takes a really different turn, in that Emily gets very sick. This inexplicable infection jacks her up to the point where they have to put her in a coma to stabilize her to figure out the problem. Kumail's the one who's there, has to sign the order, and then he has to call her family. This is shortly after they had broken up, so it's really awkward with the family. Her parents are played by Holly Hunter and Ray Romano. So, uh, 9-11. I've always wanted to have a conversation with people. You've never talked to people about 9-11? I'm still standing. I'm still Want to do anything? You got to call the games? No, I've never. You play it. You can't rhyme it? You try to find a word that nobody can rhyme. Okay. And Stonehenge. Is... Yeah, see, you would win. Yeah. There's already Oscar buzz for The Big Sick, which is sitting at 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. It opened in a limited release a few weeks back, the same week as the Transformers movie that came out, and crushed Transformers on a per-screen average. Transformers, of course, opened on thousands of screens. This one opened initially on five. But it's been doing very well, increasing every week. Now it's in wide release. It should be at a theater near you if it wasn't already. And I cannot recommend it highly enough. This movie is working some kind of magic. It's walking this, this tightrope of tone that'll have you laughing one minute it, crying the next and laughing again the minute after that, on and on throughout the movie. It's beautiful, it's heartwarming, but it's also not blatantly out to jerk the tears from your eyes, not sentimental or sappy. feels real, probably because it is, even though the story is still unlike anything you've really seen in a movie before. And you root for everyone in the movie, which is pretty rare. It's a fun way to take in a movie, actually, you know, caring about every character and hoping they come out okay at the end. No one is really wasted, and whenever someone's on screen, you aren't thinking, boy, I wish we were visiting with someone else right now so you're invested in what's happening in front of you it's very easy to be present watching this movie aside from the will they won't they love stuff there's Kamel's relationships with all the parents involved the clips we heard there trying to talk to get to know her parents while she's in the coma that's good stuff a lot of awkward comedy because they're strangers forced to interact with each other plus Ray Romano and Holly Hunter have their own B story going on independent of everyone else and then there's another storyline involving Kumail's parents his dad by the way is played by a very famous Bollywood actor called or named Anupam Kerr. Most Hollywood movies would take the main character and have him vehemently strike down the notion of arranged marriage, but it's a cultural reality for Kamel, so while he's definitely not on board for an arranged marriage, he treats the situation with more respect. The truth is, he could lose his family over all of this, and he doesn't want to. Who would? Of course, his family also has to try to come to grips with the reality of what Kumail is making his life out to be. The movie definitely juggles all these things. There's a good flow to it. The director, Michael Showalter, who's mostly known for being a stand-up comic, 
comic, I think, um, does an incredible job of balancing everything. Like I said at the top, he keeps that tone that allows you to laugh and cry and laugh all in the same scene, and it just it doesn't feel weird that you're doing that. The acting great throughout. Ray Romano, I think, is underrated as a dramatic actor. This will help put an end to that. Kumail Nanjiani doesn't have a lot of real acting experience. He has been on the HBO sitcom Silicon Valley for four seasons. He's not in every scene of that, and there's almost no real dramatic work there. Um, so this was a big step for him. Zoe Kazan, she was new to me. I found her winning and charming, and I think Holly Hunter is the one that really kills it. She's fiery, a force to be reckoned with. Uh, frankly, I think she's going to get an Oscar nomination for this movie, and I think and really hope the movie will see a couple of other nominations, even though Oscar season's still a long way off. So after all that gushing, Brett, I have to award the Big Sick our biggest rating, bestowing all five of the five possible couch cushions, something we call... The Sectional. Wow! And it's been a while since we've handed out one of those. And I've got one coming as well this hour. I Crazy! Two sectionals in one episode. It's historic. This week on the Couch Potatoes, you won't <laughs> believe what happens. We'll tell you all about it after we review Spider-Man Homecoming. That's up next. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes, and we have another film review for you. Listen, Peter. You did good. But this does not mean you're an Avenger. Mr. Stoughton is treating me like a kid. But you are a kid. Don't mess with me, because I will kill you and everybody you love. Catch this guy, and nothing's gonna stop me. Parker, my office. So, you got detention. How are you gonna make things right? Spider Man Homecoming. Spider Man Homecoming. It is the sixth Spider Man film since 2002, but the first in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Without boring you with all the legal details, Sony owns the rights to Spider Man which is why he was not in the movies with Iron Man and Captain America. But Sony and Marvel finally got together to strike a deal to share the rights and make it better for everyone. He was one of the best parts of Captain America Civil War and is now one of the best parts of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It opened last weekend to a respectable $117 million, so not as much as Spider-Man 3 opened to, which $151 million back in 2007. It's also doing very well with critics, 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, just behind 2004's Spider-Man 2, which was at 94%. Tom Holland is the young actor who plays Spider-Man this time. Michael Keaton is the bad guy. The Vulture. Jeff Braun, what did you think? I loved it. I wasn't particularly excited going into it. We've seen plenty of Spider-Man movies over the years and haven't really seen a great one since Spider-Man 2, which you mentioned back in 2004. And that was 13 years ago. So yeah, I've become used to Spider-Man movies being at best okay for a long time. The last one with Andrew Garfield and Jamie Foxx was brutal. So this was refreshing and really funny. I think... I think that's what I like the most about it. Maybe I even preferred the Peter Parker scenes to the Spider-Man scenes, just because he was a goofy, awkward high school kid, and I had four, four years experience doing that myself, so I know what it's about. <laughs> All the school stuff was terrific. It felt like a full thought out movie in itself. The other Spider-Man movies didn't really pull that off or didn't really care to. They got him out of school real quick. Uh, A lot of people comparing it to a John Hughes movie. Of course, there is a blatant reference to one particular John Hughes movie in this movie, which I really enjoyed. 
And I, I, I was like, oh, it's just like, and then, oh, okay, yeah, they get it too. I was like, oh. <laughs> that was fun. Uh, and of course, the Spider-Man stuff was still great. Doesn't really have the wow factor. That first Tobey Maguire movie blew my mind with the special effects. But even though we're, you know, used to seeing superheroes flying around now, it's still cool watching Spider-Man swing. Michael Keaton, great as the bad guy. Uh, felt about as real as a character in these kind of movies that they can, uh, as far as bad guys go especially. Loved how they worked his motive and his whole sort of bad guy operation into the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe. Same with how they weave Spider-Man in, sort of retconning his appearance in last year's Captain America movie. Um, I liked how they basically just disregarded all of his origin story. No one wanted it. Would have driven me mad to have watched another 20-minute setup of the spider biting him and discovering his powers and all that. Did they even mention Uncle Ben? Nope. Good. I didn't miss it at all. Uh, the stake's a little more personal than in a lot of other superhero movies as well. I think that's always the case, it seems, with Spider-Man. Not just in terms of, you know, the people he loves being in danger, but it just feels like he's tight with his community. Um, you know, it's got that friendly neighborhood vibe to it, which goes a long way into immersing you into the movie. Uh, a couple other points. There's this twist about two-thirds of the way through where I actually went, whoa. They didn't see that coming at all, and I thought it was very effective. And again, the humor between Iron Man, uh, maybe some other characters we know, John Favreau, um, and mostly Peter's friend Ned. I think this easily joins Guardians of the Galaxy as the funny movies from Marvel. And the post credit scene was one of my favorite yet. There's a mid credit scene as well that had to be explained to me, which is always the case whenever they tease future developments in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I turn to my buddy Joel and I go, am I supposed to know who that guy is? And he's like, yes, it's blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, whatever. I'll find out about that in a year or two. Uh, the only thing, I was a little conflicted about his high-tech Spider-Man suit. I think that's fine for Iron Man, but maybe it should be limited to Iron Man. So it, it was kind of cool, but I don't know. It's also kind of feels like, well, that's not really him doing it. It's just his magic suit. It's kind of silly. So overall, I would give a Spider-Man Homecoming four and a half couch cushions out of five. It almost got to sectional. Well, and I should first point out that I have not really had enough time to fully digest it yet, so I'm I'm reluctant to to rank it in terms of where it fits with the other Spider-Man films. I should probably go back and watch the first two Spider-Man movies from Sam Raimi, but I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I think suggest that this is the best Spider-Man film yet. Yeah, me and my two buddies walking out of the theater, we were like, is this one better than Spider-Man 2? And then we all realized, well, I haven't seen Spider-Man 2 in many, many years, so yeah. it's impossible to say. But yeah, it's very much up there. Tom Holland, I think, uh, I can safely say Tom Holland is my favorite Spider-Man yet, as far as the guy playing Spider-Man. That's not to say I dislike Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield. I think Tobey's version was just, he was... He was just kind of a sad sack, and Garfield was too much of a smart aleck, I think. Holland has managed to sort of capture the perfect balance between being a nerdy kid who also cracks a lot of jokes when he is Spider-Man. And I think the operative word in that previous phrase was kid. He's yes. a kid. He's 15 years old in the film. Spider-Man in the comics started off as a high school student. Jeff, you referenced it. They got him out of high school pretty quick in those Sam Raimi films. And uh, Holland is totally believable as a high school student. In fact, he went undercover in a New York high school prior <laughs> to filming. He's 21 now, but he was 19 when they first cast him. Now, while I loved this film, and as I was watching it, I thought, is Spider-Man Homecoming going to get the sectional? I realized by the time I got home and grabbed a pen and paper that I do have a couple of gripes with this film, a handful of them. Number one, and you sort of referenced this already, Jeff, why does he need Tony Stark to build him a fancy suit? He's Peter Parker. 
He's a genius. He was always this science nerd who could do his own stuff. He invented the web thing. Yeah. Can't invent a suit. Yeah, he can't craft himself a nice suit. I mean, it was neat, I will say, to have something new. You know, his suit has stark technology in it rather than just a nifty, nice costume. So that was kind of fresh, but I think it got a little old. Number two. Not a single mention of his spidey sense, at least from what I could tell. There was one scene in Civil War where something was flying at him from behind and he ducked because of his spidey sense, but I didn't see any of that in this film and that's always been a crucial part of what makes Spider-Man cool, I think. Number three, continuity. This is real nitpicky stuff, but we oh. that, that little homemade video of Peter Parker put together where we see him recording himself during that big fight in Civil that's War. That's what I liked. I love that. I liked it too. But in Civil War, just as Ant-Man gets really big, Spider-Man shouts out, holy something. But in this, it appears as he was recording, it happened at that same moment, but he just says in the video, well, he's big now, so I got to go. Did you go home and check that? I haven't gone home and checked it yet. You just know that. I just, I think, but uh, unless it's a different part during that fight. Anyway, I guess that's kind of a spoiler. (laughs) Not really. But whatever. Uh, And number four. No shots of Spider-Man swinging through the streets of New York. And now I realize there have already been five Spider-Man films, and there's plenty of that in those five. But to me, that's just part of what makes Spider-Man so cool, especially at the movies and especially with special effects, visual effects getting better and better. So that would be nice, especially in 3D. Maybe they're just biding their time. Like, I, like I, like, that's what I meant. Like, I like that there sort of was like a small town feel to his yeah. story. So, and I, I guess it's because he's still in high school. You know, once he graduates and he'll move to the Manhattan, to the big city to work for, what's the name of the, the Daily Bugle? Yeah. The Daily Planet. What is it? Daily Planet. Da- no, no, that's Superman. You're right. The J. Jonah Jameson, whatever. The, the newspaper. Bugle, bugle. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if, if that's to come yet. Maybe they just didn't sort of want to blow everything all in one shot. I don't know. I do like, like you said, he's 50. He says in this movie, the character says I'm 15 years old, right? Mm-hmm. So that means we, for three years yet, he could should still be in high school. Yeah. So hopefully we get another movie where he still maybe visits the big city like you would like to see, but I still like, like him in high school. Uh, as far as the swing through the streets are concerned, uh, I think the, the counter of that is we, we got to see him like encounter spots where he had nothing to swing on. So it was actually kind of, ref- it was super refreshing to see him have to run across a golf course. It was just I've funny. thought of that many times. Even when I was a kid, I was like, I wish I was Spider-Man. I grew up in a small town. I was like, there's no nothing for me to swing off in this town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just a couple of tall houses here and there, and that's about it. So those are my complaints. Um, I mean, this movie did a lot of stuff with Spider-Man that we've never seen, like encountering a spot, as you just mentioned, without the tall buildings. So he has to run. We see him misjudge how much web he needs and he falls on his face. Easily the funniest Spider-Man film, which also makes it the most fun. You referenced him already, Jeff, his buddy Ned, played by Filipino actor Jacob Batalon. He was sensational. Can you summon an army of spiders? No, Ned, no. Do you know him too? Can I try the suit on? I should also point out Michael Keaton was great. I mean, I'm, he's great in everything. I'm just happy to yeah. see that he is an A-list actor again. And I also like that this movie did not worry about setting up a new franchise. It just told a solid, self-contained story that still fits into the bigger picture of all the Marvel films. And it's grounded in a reality that he's just a 15-year-old who does not have control over his abilities and is trying to deal with everyday teenage stuff. 
That's always been what is so appealing about Spider-Man. You look at the other big names out there. Tony Stark, a.k.a. Iron Man. He's a billionaire. Captain America. Super soldier with dashing good looks, and he's the paragon of virtue. Thor is a demigod from some far-off place in space and time and has a magic hammer. You look across the line to DC. Batman, also a billionaire. Or Superman, an alien with pretty much every awesome superpower there is. He can fly, he's super strong, he has heat, he does everything. Then there's Spider-Man, who's a kid, a nerdy one at that, who's just trying to get through life and maybe get the girl like the rest of us. He could be you, he could be me, he could be any of us. And I think that's why Spider-Man has always been so popular and so universally appealing. And I think this movie captured it so well. As you heard in the clip earlier, he wants to be a hero and be Spider-Man, but in doing so, he misses school and he gets detention. Uh, it's just a, just a real nice touch that I think was lacking from the previous Spider-Man. And aside from the uh, tech he gets from Stark, unlike, you know, the billionaire Stark or Bruce Wayne or whatever, he has the resources of his high school's chem lab and library. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> they bring the fact that they, they brought stuff in to just openly examine it, examine it during chemistry <laughs> class and no one seemed to care. Oh, yeah. I'm going to give Spider-Man Homecoming also four and a half couch cushions out of five. And as Jeff said, make sure you stay until after the credits. Show Show some patience and you will be rewarded. Oh, that was funny. Up next, I will tell you which film I watched this week that earned the sectional. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry with Jeff Braun. We are The Couch Potatoes. And earlier this hour, Jeff reviewed The Big Sick and he gave that film our highest honor. And as it turns out, we haven't done this in years and now we're both doing it in the same episode. I watched a film which I will also bestow our highest honor. The Sectional. The Sectional. It is the first time since 2010 that I am going to give out five couch cushions out of five to a film. The one that I gave in 2010 was Inception. The film I watched this week, Disney Pixar's Inside Out. I'm Joy. This is Sadness. That's Anger. What? This is Disgust. Uh, and that's Fear. Ah! We're Riley's emotions. These are Riley's memories. They're mostly happy, you'll notice, not to brag. I wanted to maybe hold one. What happened? Sadness. She did something to the memory. Is everything okay? I don't know. Take it back, Joy. Joy. Joy, no. Let's wait. Go. The core memories. Ah! No, 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 no. Can I say that curse word now? I'm not surprised that this film earned the Couch Potatoes' highest honor. From the first time I saw the trailer, back in 2015 when the film arrived, I thought, that looks like it's going to be creative and fresh and imaginative and fun and like nothing I've ever seen. And sure enough, all of those things were true. It was fabulous. Has a 98% rating, I think, on Rotten Tomatoes. It wraps up on July 26th on Netflix, which is what prompted me to watch it. So if you've never seen it, do yourself a favor and watch it if you have Netflix. The cartoon focuses on an 11-year-old girl named Riley. And in this world that Inside Out has created, our emotions are characters who work out of headquarters, which is kind of like a mission control in our brain. Riley's life was happy, until her family moves from Minnesota to San Francisco and everything changes and it happens as she's approaching adolescence 
So things are now happening happening in her brain that even her own emotions can't figure out. It's just such a unique, interesting way to portray how the mind works, especially the mind of a child who is going through such a wild transition. It also has fun with things like how we mix up facts and opinions, and there's this great gag on how random songs pop into our heads, like annoying songs that we hate, like old jingles or what have you. It's got tremendous voice work from the entire cast, especially Richard Kind as Riley's imaginary friend Bing Bong. His performance is touching. The whole movie is touching. I laughed. I cried. I just, I felt all of the emotions that were portrayed on screen and then some. It's a masterpiece. It's another slam dunk for Disney Pixar. Once again, five couch cushions out of five. The sectional for Inside Out, which will be gone from Netflix on July 26th. So watch it. Only have a minute or so left. So I will just tell you that winter has finally come in July, season seven starts on Sunday for what is arguably the most popular show on television, HBO's Game of Thrones. Enemies to the east. Enemies to the west. Enemies to the south. Enemies to the north. Whatever stands in our way, we will defeat it. Normally this show starts in April, but after hearing for six seasons that winter is coming, winter has finally arrived on the show, so they needed to wait for actual winter to arrive to shoot a lot of the scenes. I was born to rule the Seven Kingdoms. And I will. Season 7 is also going to be shorter at only 7 episodes, but many of them will be longer than usual. We're promising the most intense season yet for Game of Thrones, starting Sunday night on HBO. If we don't put aside our enmities and band together, we will die. And then it doesn't matter whose skeleton sits on the Iron Throne. That's all the time we have. I'm Brett, he's Jeff, we are the Couch Potatoes, and maybe next week I'll tell you a little bit more about Legion, which made its way into my top... 10 TV shows of 2017. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. <laughs>